um, well, look, as, I, as I've said before, as I pray out loud, and you pray in your own heart, and uh, as you think of somebody that is not with us this morning, that's, that's uh, infirmed, uh, you lift them up. But uh, I want you to pray this morning for the uh, person beside you. And if there's no one beside you, uh, turn around and see if there's someone behind you. And, uh, and pray for them. You know, because again, I, we, we serve a big God. Amen. And he can, he can hear more than one person pray at a time. I don't understand that. I just believe that. Well, let's go. What was that? It's God. It's God. It is God. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord. Again, Father, we, we just simply, as, as, as we know how, bow our heads and our hearts before you. Lord, we can't do anything else. We cannot come in our own merit. We cannot come uh, because we're good, uh, that you saved us because we're good. Lord, we know that we've been saved by the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Such love that we can't even comprehend. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, it's, it's, it's just so wonderful. Uh, just t- trying to comprehend that is beyond comprehension. But Lord, we certainly believe it. Uh, we know because you have changed us by your Holy Spirit. You've, you've put love in our hearts for you. Love in our hearts for, for one another. Uh, Lord, that cannot be explained in human terms. It's really better felt than felt. And so, God, uh, I pray that you'll meet every need here this morning. That as we hear your word and, and, and as we confess that we're just like these disciples that, that walked around with Jesus, that we would really confess our sin. And as we have sung this morning, we'd fix our eyes uh, on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, Lord, help us uh, that we might not play church, but, Lord, we would be uh, true disciples of yours, and uh, we'll give you all the praise and the glory, Father. And, uh, Lord, we do bring these requests to you, though, and I lift up Andrew Tice and his uh, continual struggle in, in uh, the uh, trying to get custody of the children. And, Lord, I thank you, though, that that uh, you're working things out, and I, I pray for his spirit, that you would just sustain him. Uh, Lord, I, I, I pray for our military chaplains, as Gavin has mentioned. Uh, Lord, they need you, they need your power, they need your strength uh, to, to stand firm, as the Hebrew children did of old uh, before the fiery furnace. So God... Uh, Give your men of God great strength and, uh, and use them, O oh Lord, in, in their jobs. And Lord, we also lift up the armed forces uh, to you and those that serve. And we thank you, Father, again for this nation of ours and, and men like Harry who, who have fought uh, 
in, in, in battles and in war and know what it's like. And, and so, Father, we just thank you uh, for men that have given their lives uh, uh, for this country of ours. And, Lord, we do lift up our country to you, Lord, because we know that uh, if you give us justice, we will perish. So, Lord, we cry out for mercy, God, that you would really come in great power. Come, come, O oh Lord, and have mercy on our country. Help us, Father, as your children, to, to be witnesses for you whenever we have the chance. And, and uh, we lift up to you those who are not with us today, like Wilda and, and Sue McCormick and and uh, for Sue Robinson and Carl, and Lord, there are others I know that are not here, and Greg, who's, who's traveling in uh, Kentucky. And uh, so, Lord, just be with those who are away from us. And God, uh, again, as we look into your word now, we, uh, we pray that uh, we would be humbled before it, that we would not be proud and lifted up, uh, because of, of the grace that you have given us, as, as, as Paul said, that, uh, that we might boast in the cross of Christ. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. And his name is wonderful. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. And... <clears throat> I've titled this, uh, and let me turn to Mark. Mark chapter 9. We'll read the passage in, in just a minute. But uh, I called this Lessons on the Way Down from the Mountain. You know, one of the best ways of teaching children, I experienced that as a father and is uh, when you're with them in places like in the car driving along or, or feeding the dog and you can say, look at that, he just dives right into the food. He doesn't even give thanks at all to God. He's just devouring it without anything. Why is that? Because he has no soul. He cannot know God. And so you can teach children uh, uh, along the way. Uh, in other words, it's not just formal instruction. It's a life lived before them as you walk with God. And they will see your light and they, won't, they will want to be like you. And you know, the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, 7 through 9, very clear here. Uh, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You kind of get like, this is all the time, isn't it? Amen. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, it ought to consume your whole life. That's what life is all about, is it not? Uh, and I know my dad used to say, oh, I wish I'd been a Christian as a young man. 
and would have raised y'all like I should have. That's one of the things that broke his heart. And yet I'm going to uh, mention that again, but there's so many ways we can, we can communicate our God. I mean, you go out and, and you look up to the stars and uh, ask your children, who made the stars? God did. God, our God is big. Matter of fact, you see that star up there? That's not a star. It's a galaxy. Hallelujah. Another galaxy. Matter of fact, you can take a square inch of the sky and you can count hundreds of galaxies in that square inch. Brothers and sisters, we have a big God. Amen. Much bigger. Uh, a pastor friend of mine said one time, think of the biggest thought that you can think of God. Thank you. You remembered. It's not big enough. That's exactly right. And so our Lord here is practicing informal teaching on the way down from the mountain. Now, will we listen to what he says? That we don't have the Lord literally beside us as we walk but what do we have his word we have his word his completed word by the way that's all we need as we go about our every uh, day lives so let us remember let us remember to do that all day long as this verse teaches us up here Just a quick review, just so we'll know the setting. Uh, We saw in chapter 8 that uh, Christ, he tells them that he must suffer and be rejected by the elders and be killed and and die on the cross and he was going to be raised from the dead. Not only that, we we saw that he uh, taught his disciples that they must also suffer. That's in... uh, uh, chapter 8 and, and uh, I think verse 34, that they must take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow him. Amen. That's to be a disciple. That is not an option, by the way, as we looked at thoroughly last week, I think it was. Not an option. And so we also saw the Father comes and, and says once again, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Are we listening to him? Not only listening to him, are you acting what this book, are you living out in your life what this book says to do? And also I pointed out, and I think it's true, when the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, when He looks at you, what does He see? He sees Jesus Christ. And He sees one He is well pleased in. We've got to believe that. He is well pleased with you. But you say, oh, I'm a big sinner. Yes, you are. But if you're His child, He's well pleased with you. Why? Because you're in Christ. And you're right, he sees Christ. That's too big for me uh, to try to fathom even that. So what lessons can we 
learn from this coming down from the mountain. First of all, Jesus comes down the mountain with them. He comes down the mountain with us. That's a marvelous truth. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than mountaintop experiences, and I mentioned that last week, mountaintop experiences. And you've all had those where Christ shows up maybe in your life in a powerful way and you're ministered to, you have great peace. I don't know what that looks like, but you also go through the valley. But the thing is, you've got to see is he's with you even in, in that situation and, pr- and praise God for that. He goes with us. Psalm 23 and verse 4, of course we all know Psalm 23. Even though I walk, not run, takes a long time sometimes, through the valley of the shadow of death, I what? Why? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they do what? Do we really find comfort in Christ? We should. We should just be overwhelmed with Christ. Are you overwhelmed with Christ? Sometimes I struggle with that. What did Jesus say? At the end of Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, I am with you how long? Even to the end of the age. Amen, brother. To the end of the age. Somebody's listening. (laughs) That's right. To the end of the age. Hallelujah. Secondly, I think Jesus uh, orders them not to tell anyone. Can you imagine after the transfiguration and seeing what they saw, Peter, James, and John, and, and you're just kind of just overwhelmed, and then you're said, you're not supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> I think that's probably one I couldn't have kept. But uh, as far as we know, they did, because for one thing, the, the people weren't ready to hear this, because they were looking for a conqueror, uh, someone to make king. Also, I don't think the disciples were ready. They didn't even understand... From verse 10, the necessity of his death and his uh, resurrection and, and everything that was going on. Um, even Easter morning, remember, they couldn't believe it. And uh, don't tell anybody. Don Francisco has a wonderful song, I Gotta Tell Somebody. <laughs> Now, that's not with this passage, but it's, I think was, his daughter was healed. Was that it? Yeah. I got to tell somebody. Do you got to tell somebody? Yeah. I hope you do. I hope it's just so burning within you, the love of Christ and what he's done for you. And uh, you're walking with him and you're listening to him. And you got to tell somebody. but not forever. It's until I rise from the dead. And they got it finally. What lesson can we learn? 
several things, I think. But anyway, one thing is there's an appointed time for everything. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every, every event under heaven, a time to tear apart, a time to sow together, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. This was their time to be silent, but there's a time to speak, and this is our time. This is our time to speak. But a lot of times when we teach, people are not prepared to learn things that we tell them. And we've got to be at peace about that. I know sometimes you, you, God had showed you some new doctrine or new interpretation about something that you're just absolutely overwhelmed with and you think everybody needs to know that. And you just can't understand why they don't see it. Dad was that way with creation science. He says, wow, here, his other doctor friends wouldn't see it. Called him crazy. Why? It wasn't their time. Their eyes were not opened. That's in God's hand. Our job is to tell them. You don't put a stake before a baby. Except Tarzan did, I think he and he goes out and gets something, throws it down there and says, eat, you know. It doesn't work that way. There are a lot of doctrines in the scripture that are very hard to understand. I don't know if you figured that out yet. And maybe God hasn't shown you what the interpretation of that is to your satisfaction. And you know what? He may not. You may not ever understand predestination. And if you do, come tell me. Okay? Now, it's good to study about it and read about it. But you don't have a newborn Christian and that's the first thing you tell him about. No, you, you give him the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, what we would call the milk of the word. And as we, as we go through our Christian lives, we can take in more and more. Oh, by the way, I just uh, heard uh, James Dobson say that Trump has accepted Christ. That's okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I couldn't believe it when I heard it. And, uh, but one man came on there. Well, he's still cussing. I did too. Still do. <laughs> hit, my, hit my thumb with a hammer. You don't want to be around. Sorry. Your, your pastor is flawed. But Amen. we shouldn't be. I'm not. <laughs> I give up. I just give up. No, you're right. <laughs> Great application here. But, uh, but anyway, that's, that's what James Dobson. But you know what? You just. You've got to take him for what he is right now. And if he has been born again, it's going to take time. But, you know, we keep praying for a revival. And you know what? It usually comes in ways we don't think it's coming. God, as we'll see next week, God is the God of the impossible. God's ways are not our ways. Amen. God's ways are not our ways. And His wonders to perform.
And so these, these disciples still didn't know what was meant by rising from the dead. They believed in a general resurrection. Most people did, except for the Sadducees. And of course, that was why they were sad, you see. I'm sorry. Anyway, you know, I'm sure they said, well, why must he die if he's going to rise again? They didn't understand that their sins had to be paid for. And so, again, we need to be we need to be gentle and kind and understanding with our different interpretations, whatever that may be, and loving. God may have shown you something that He ain't going to show me, and vice versa. That's why we need each other. I keep saying that all the time. I can learn something from a child. And if I can't, something's wrong with me. We can all learn. One thing, these little girls will get up here sometimes and they'll start dancing. Just dancing around. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But we, oh, the parents ought to, you know. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there ought to be chaos. But I'm saying what they're doing is just freely worshiping God. My dad did that right before death. He just raised his hands. I never saw dad raise his hands in his life. But he was just praising God and thanking God. Your name was there. Don't be afraid to praise God, to joy in your Lord, to rejoice in what he's done for you. Wow. So they didn't understand what was going on. They were puzzled. They were puzzled at what was what was uh, uh, was going on here. But then they raise a question about Elijah, verses eleven and twelve of Mark nine. And I just realized we haven't read, did we not, the passage? So let's do that now. Let's read verses. Uh, 9 verse through 13. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what rising from the dead meant. You see, they were puzzled. They, they were confused. They asked him, saying, Why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does first come and restore all things. And yet how is it written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come. And and they did to him whatever they wished, just as it's written of him. They didn't realize Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. They were looking for a literal Elijah. And so they were confused because he was, he was the Messiah being glorified and now Elijah shows up. Well, no, wait a minute, they said. That's not, that's not right. Elijah's to come first. And Jesus says, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. The scribes are right in this point. Yes, they... they uh, uh, he was to come first, but they just missed the Elijah that Jesus is talking about. And the scriptures have been talking 
about as well. So they had, they had the, uh, the right order, but they were thinking, now wait a minute, are you the Messiah, Jesus, if there wasn't a forerunner or Elijah coming first because you're here and now Elijah, that's out of order. You can see why they were, they were confused very, very clearly here. Well, let's go to the scripture. And so don't be critical, don't be critical of these uh, disciples here. And again, I, I, even false teachers have some truth. So that's why you have to separate the good from uh, the bad. Isn't it true that Satan actually deceives by mixing truth and error together? And so we have to, we have to take the good and leave the bad. Well, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 and also 4, 5, and 6, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Speaking of John the Baptist, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says uh, the Lord of hosts. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, who is this Elijah? John the Baptist. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. And John preached repentance and probably did a lot of restoration of families and no telling what. We don't really know completely. And the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Very interesting passage here. So Jesus says, no, Elijah has come. Elijah has come, and it's John the Baptist. He came in the spirit and power and functioned as Elijah did. What kind of restoration was being spoken up here? Well, in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John, and you will have joy and gladness. Joy and gladness. Do we have joy? Because I want to end it with that. Joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Yet, in his, while in his mother's womb. That's the strongest verse you can use against abortion right there. He, will, he doesn't say it. He, John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit, yet while still in the womb. End of all discussion about abortion. They're murdering babies. Clear and simple. Now, I know this is recording. It's going out. On the uh, website, I don't care. I just tell you right now, I don't care. Because this is what the Word of God teaches. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Sounds like what we read in Malachi. And it is he who goes as a forerunner before him, the spirit and power of what? See, he went forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. What? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Quarter from the Old Testament, and, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so to make ready a people prepared for the Lord.
So, Elijah did come first, but it wasn't Elijah, it was John the Baptist. Very clear from Scripture. Cannot be any, uh, any clearer, I don't think. So John was preparing the people spiritually for the Messiah to come and bring families together. But the people did not recognize John as Elijah. In Matthew 17, 10 through 13, and his disciples asked him, why then, and this is the account in Matthew, why then did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah already came, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they wished. What did they do to him? Cut his head off. Killed him. So also the Son of Man is going to what? This is what he's been trying to tell his disciples all along. At their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about what? There it is, brother. If, it's, if it, that's not clear, there's nothing in Scripture that's clear. And yet, you know, Christians today are still looking for John the Baptist. I mean, Elijah to come. He came. Uh, if you want to argue, that's fine. But I'm not talking the majority, but there are some that are still looking for Elijah to come. He is coming, yeah. So anyway... I'm just, because of the, the time, I don't want to go too long here. But I like to interpret Scripture naturally wherever it can be taken literally. But, you know, sometimes words like Elijah and John the Baptist, you can't say, okay, it's real Elijah. You have to study the Scriptures to say, who is this Elijah? And it's and it's told to us who he was. And so the problem with like the book of Revelation, and, and I love the book of Revelation. I can read it and go, what in the world is this talking about? But blessings are supposed to be those that study it. And Gavin has his website on End Time Pilgrim, and it's great. You need to go there and study it. But you know what? There are so many interpretations about what that is talking about. I mean, I can, I can remember... Uh, when the book came out in 1980, uh, it didn't come out, it was 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. <coughs> Wrong, unless I was left. But uh, I don't think so, because you were left too. But no, you know, we have to be careful. What, see, what image are we presenting before the world? before other Christians, and the things that we prophesy about don't come about. Yeah. Why, you know, why does the world think we're crazy? Because we are, a lot of times. We're, we're crazy in that we're focusing on things that are important, great to study, but it's not what it's all about. Who is it all about? Christ. It's about our Lord. It's about Him. Worshiping Him. 
obeying His Word, raising our children to the glory of God, and on and on we can go. I think, I think prophecy is vague for that reason. Now, Christians love to fight about it, and I like to get in the midst of them. <laughs> Gary and, and, <laughs> and uh, Gavin and I, when we get together, we'll get together tonight, we're going to have a great discussion about all. <laughs> but when we, when we get through, we're going to hug each other's neck and love each other. Because why? It's fun to talk about the Bible. But if we miss Jesus, we've missed it all. See? We've missed him, we've missed it all. So Jesus, I believe, uses the subject of Elijah to teach about himself. And what was that? Just like John the Baptist suffered and was beheaded, killed, that's going to happen to him. And there was a purpose behind. John the Baptist was the forerunner. And uh, now the sufferings that the forerunner suffered also, Jesus will suffer as well. Also, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands, just like, just like John did. Where is it written primarily about the Son of Man who is coming to be suffered? I mean, coming to be uh, punished in, in, in Isaiah 53 is uh, but he was pierced through for our transgression speaking of Christ now as we look back as Christians having the New Testament having the writings of Paul all that we have we can understand this but if you were a, an Old Testament saint you, you would not know what really this was all about to, to the extent, he says, but he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chasing of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, but the Lord has laid, uh, has caused the iniquity of us all to what? Fall on him. He took your punishment. He took all your punishment. You do not have to suffer and be punished for any of your sins. Did you hear what I said? You can't, you can't pay you, you can't pay for them. You can't merit. You, there's nothing you can do. They're paid for. So we need to live in that reality and really enjoy, really enjoy our forgiveness that we have. Remember, it's in Christ, and Paul said, in him I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's Ephesians 1.7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to his riches and glory. Wow. I want that to sink in to all of us and to my heart because it's all about him and what he's done for us. 
That's the, that, that is bottom line. You know, when you read the Psalms, uh, when you read the Psalm, and this is the last verse, and I'm almost done, so bear with me. Psalm 103, 1 through 4 says, Bless the, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who what? All your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness. Gavin had a sailboat called Loving Kindness, and we had a great time. But who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Has it hit home? Is it hitting home this morning? Your sins are forgiven. He loves you with a love that cannot be comprehended. Unconditionally, He saves us. Not because of anything good we have done, but in spite of all of our wickedness, He sustains us every day. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Let it sink in, brothers and sisters. And I want you to be like the psalmist, I want to be like this psalmist. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Why? Because he has blessed us. Pardoned all of our sins. Does that excite you? Does that thrill you? If it doesn't thrill you, you better check up. To see whether you really know him or not. I'm serious when I say that. Okay, that's time to go eat lunch. I mean, if that's how you're receiving this right now, something's wrong. And if I'm preaching it like that, something's wrong with me. I mean, if, you know, I'm, if I'm just putting on a good act and a good show, let's go home and do something else. No, but it's truth. And the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, this, this morning, Lord, you've... Uh, it's all about you, Lord. You use us in spite of us. You love us in spite of us. Help us to die to self, oh Lord. I, Lord, I, I would just ask the congregation this morning, ask each individual, is there something in your life that's keeping you from your Savior? Is there a God in your life that you're battling that you need to give up? Is there something on the way down from the mountain you don't see Jesus with you? And you're walking through the valley and you're fearful. Maybe it's fear that God needs to take away. I don't know what it is, but right in your heart of hearts right now. If you, first of all, if you don't know Christ, that you would confess Him. That you would trust Him right now. And if you do know Him, confess your sins. And He is faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a loving God we have. Lord, we're glad. We're glad. We're happy, O oh Lord. We're blessed, O oh Lord. And we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.